Today we're going to be talking about perhaps the most controversial topic inside the Sermon on the Mount. Now, it's something that used to be a stigmatized practice, and now it's becoming a celebrated practice, even a sign of empowerment for many people. The topic we're going to be talking about today is that of divorce. And I don't think there's a person alive that you can talk to, at least not in our culture, here in America, in Europe, in most civilized places, where somebody has not been affected in one way or another by divorce. And it's a tragic practice. It's sad that we've made it to where we have. In fact, I was dealing with the with the text uh, that we are studying today throughout the week, trying to study it and find out how best to preach on it. And I noticed that even in contemporary Bible translations, that they have interpreted what Jesus had to say in such a way as to dampen the blow of divorce. And we'll get in that here in just one moment, but let's start off by reading Matthew 5, 31 through 32. These are the words of Jesus himself. He stated, It has been said, anyone who divorces his wife must give her a certificate of divorce. But I tell you that anyone who divorces his wife, except for marital unfaithfulness, causes her to become an adulteress. And anyone who marries the divorced woman commits adultery. Now, If you are reading a more contemporary version of the Bible, it might state something like, anyone who divorces his wife except for sexual immorality makes her the victim of adultery. And anyone who marries a divorced woman commits adultery. And there is a difference between divorce making a woman into a victim of adultery and making her into an adulteress herself. Now, I did a little bit of research into this difference in translation and have concluded that this was an interpretive decision made by the editors of the NIV. And I'm not necessarily saying that they are wrong beyond any shadow of a doubt, but I do think that it was a bad decision on their part. I believe that this should rightly be translated as that she actually becomes an adulteress as a result of the divorce. Now you might think that sounds unfair. How could she be an adulteress when her husband was the one who issued the certificate of divorce. Well, it's necessary for us to go back a ways. Our theme throughout this series has been the very words of Jesus himself when he said, I have not come to abolish the law, but to fulfill the law. And in order to truly understand what Jesus was saying, we must then be acquainted with the law from which he was preaching. And this particular law can be found way back in the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 24, verses 1 through 4. Now listen carefully to its words and tell me if it echoes the sentiments of Jesus Christ himself. In Deuteronomy, chapter 24, verse 1 through 4, it reads, If a man marries a woman who becomes displeasing to him because he finds something indecent about her, and he writes her a certificate of divorce, gives it to her, and sends her from his house, And if after she leaves his house, she becomes the wife of another man and her second husband dislikes her and writes her a certificate of divorce, gives it to her and sends her from his house, or if he dies, then her first husband who divorced her is not allowed to marry her again after she has been defiled. That would be detestable in the eyes of the Lord. Do not bring sin upon the land the Lord your God is giving you as an inheritance. I think this passage adds some valuable context to our discussion. Remember that Jesus stated once again, You have heard 
that it has been said. And once again, he was basically saying that you have heard the teachers of the law that God has said that if a man is displeased with his wife, he may give her a certificate of divorce. So the people heard it from the teachers of the law. However, it was God who gave the law and understood it perfectly. And according to this law, what did God say? Did he say that you shall not get a divorce? Well, no, it says that a man may give his wife a certificate of divorce if he was displeased with her. And it starts to make you wonder, though, did Moses not like women? Did he think of his wife as nothing more than property? Did he believe that a man could treat his wife poorly and her duty was merely to bring him pleasure? No, 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 no. I tell you the truth. This was not a sign of an oppressive patriarchy. Moses was not trying to undermine women's rights. God was actually protecting women through his law. So let's put this into context. We need to remember that the Bible was written a long time ago in a, car, a culture far removed from ours. There were many cultures that were oppressive towards women. In general, though, it was the husband's job to provide and protect his family. It was his wife's job to raise the family. It was a different world back then, and this structure was absolutely necessary for survival. However, many of the marriages were arranged. In fact, you don't have to read very long into the Bible until you start seeing examples of arranged marriages. And marriage has always been viewed as a sacred institution sealed by the words, till death do we part. So right here we should see a problem because if marriages are forever and the only way out of them is for one person or the other to die, one might seek a way to hasten that process. I don't think it's too big of a surprise that men are more likely to commit acts of violence against their spouses than women are. So if a man is displeased with his wife, that he can't get along with her, she can't get along with him, he is either going to abuse her into fearful submission or he's going to kill her. In many cultures, killing your wife is acceptable. If she did not give birth to boys, she could be killed. If she was not a good cook, she could be killed. If she did a poor job at cleaning, she could be killed. And if you don't believe me, just travel over to the east, travel to Asia, travel to the Middle East, some parts of Africa. You will hear about examples of husbands murdering their wives to this very day. So what does the law say? Men, if you are married to a woman that you can't get along with, don't kill her. You are permitted to get a divorce. And this should make sense out of what Jesus had to say about divorce. In Matthew 19.8, Jesus said, Moses permitted you to divorce your wives because your hearts were hard. 
He was saying that they could not deal with the possibility that they might have to love their wives like Christ loved the church. Christ had to suffer for the church, endure hardships with the church, and even suffer because of the church. But that's a different story altogether. Back to our main text and the question, does a man divorcing his wife make her into an adulteress? Well, even in the passage of Deuteronomy 24, 1-4, it is clear that women were pretty much expected to get married again after having a divorce. It made sense because women back then needed the protection that could only be provided by a man. In order to get married, she had to have her bond severed with her ex-husband and be united to another man. And in our minds, we say that the ties are severed between ex-lovers, but the reality is that in their hearts, the bond is never truly severed. The bond can only truly be broken through death. So, if she is to get married, she commits adultery. And if that sounds harsh, let me give you a recent statistic. Back then, men were the only ones allowed to issue divorce, right? That's what it says in the Law of Moses, so at least in their culture, that's the reality. But today... 80% of divorces are initiated by women. Now, is this something that we should be celebrating? That we've made this sort of progress 2,000 years later? Is this a sign that we have empowered women in our culture in healthy measures? This statistic is a sign of a sad reality. A reality that far too many people have fallen victim to. Having said that, as a man, I feel like our passage is condemning towards men more so than to women. After all, the verse he cited was directly addressing men. How can someone else's sin convict another person of wrongdoing? For the answer to that, let's look at, look, let's look at the text again. And then let's look at another passage. So anyone who divorces his wife causes her to become an adulteress, right? That's what our text said. Well, there's our answer. He caused her to sin. Causing another person to sin is a serious offense. Causing someone to sin is the sin of the serpent itself. You remember back in the Garden of Eden how the serpent tempted Eve? He caused her to sin. Jesus strongly condemned those who caused others to sin. If you look at Matthew 18, you'll be able to see what I'm talking about. Matthew chapter 18, 4 through 7 reads, Therefore, whoever takes the lowly position of this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And whoever welcomes one such child in my name welcomes me. If anyone causes one of these little ones, those who believe in me, to stumble, it would be better for them to have a large millstone hung around their neck and to be drowned in the depths of the sea. Woe to the world because of the things that cause people to stumble. Such things must come, but woe to the person through whom they come. So for a man to cause a woman to sin brings great condemnation against him. We need to choose our actions towards others very wisely. So what do we conclude? First of all, in these two verses that we studied today, we find a lot of depth. And within these two verses, Jesus made a powerful case against divorce. What I also want you to know, 
was that Jesus was making a strong case against the teachers of the law. I guarantee you that many of them divorced and remarried, perhaps numerous times. But they thought they were righteous because they were obeying the letter of the law of Moses. No, they were abusing the law of Moses and forgetting its true purpose. Marriage was given as a gift from God to help us to love one another and to bring honor to our Creator. One day, we will be gathered at a great wedding banquet before God and seated with our Savior. He will take us as his bride into his eternal dwelling place. He will never leave us or forsake us. So let us love one another with the same sort of fervor. I'd like to thank you for joining me for today's sermon. My name is Bill Sang from Faith Presbyterian Church. You can join us at Sundays at 1030. Please don't forget to like, share, and subscribe.